Welcome to DCAP, a weekly podcast by the Beacon Center. I'm Taylor. This is Justin. Mark is out this week, and so I get a break. Everybody's out this week. It's quiet. Thanksgiving <laughs> week. Justin and I are two of four people in our office right now. and We're the hard workers. We're, we are the hard workers. Listen to us. We're the hard workers. So we have a really fun episode today. I'm about to get our timer started if you are ready to dig in. Let's do it. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, Justin sent me an article that said, and he said, I've got to kick Mark off the podcast to talk about this. The article said, 86% of millennials want to be social media influencers. Now, I will say, I have some friends who are bloggers and influencers. They kind of got in on the front end before right. it was like obnoxious. But now, 86% of people in my age group want to be influencers. I don't even know if it's like being, it's like what they used to say in high school about being popular, which maybe I'm about to show how catty I was in high school. But like, if everyone's popular, no one can be popular. <laughs> if everyone's an influencer, I'm quitting my life. That's a good point. We should get off the social media then because it's, it just ruins it all. I mean, it's this people live in this delusional world that everything they do online is their only persona and they don't have actual personality right. and they do weird stuff. So my wife and I were in, we're in San Diego and we were at this like cool wine bar and these two girls showed up separately with cameras, like full-blown camera equipment and started setting this stuff up and like taking pictures of themselves, drinking wine and eating the snacks. And there's like, they were standing on the tables and like trying to get crazy shots. And the servers kept telling them like, you can't do this. You're interrupting people. And it's dangerous to stand on a table on a patio that's like 40 feet in the air. But that all they were doing is doing this to be quote unquote influencers. And I think like I've heard even that people will call restaurants, like high-end restaurants, and say, I want to come eat for free, and I'll post on my Instagram. Yeah. And there was this one uh, restaurant manager who called a person back and said, if you want to be an influencer and get free food at my restaurant, you should probably have more Twitter followers than I do. Oh. The restaurant manager had more followers <laughs> than the influencer to be. Um, I, I'm going to say this and hope that I don't get fired for it. If you don't know Justin's personality, he's like kind of an old man on the inside. and so Inside and out in a lot of ways. It's honestly true. <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm just like picturing what the inside of your brain looked like while these influencers are standing on tables because I almost the said something. on old man probably came out in a strong way. I definitely was not masking my disdain. Well, you can, you can trust that this millennial will not any <laughs> Anytime soon, try to become an influencer. I have no interest in trying to monetize my social media. I mean, you hate social media. I've never met a person with so much disdain for social media who's still on it as you. Yeah, well, I've, I'm barely on Twitter. I mean, I've deleted the app from my devices so that I, can, I get on Twitter on my computer to retweet Beacon stuff. That's literally all for I use it for health, now. We need to keep you off. I totally agree. I have like, I have my my whole outlook on life has changed since yes. I quit looking at Twitter. Much more optimistic about life and where we are in America. Um, so with that, Justin's staying off Twitter. Have we ever gonna... done a podcast that I've been on that we didn't rant about Twitter? I don't know that that's ever happened. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is just, it's the Justin rant about social media <laughs> segment that's going to stay consistent. Um, speaking of social media, something that really went viral on social media this week were the elections in Hong Kong. Yeah. So over the last few months, um, there have been a lot of protests in Hong Kong about the Chinese government trying to 
strong arm them, I guess is kind well, of the way you know, to say extradite it. people exactly. to the main. Essentially, they're they're trying to undo the deal that was struck exactly. when when Hong Kong became semi-autonomous, and, and they're so doing it through some sketchy, typical Chinese, you know, typical classic. But the good news is, I, I mean, I, I think it's good news. I hope it sticks. I hope that it's a message that was sent loud and clear. There were local elections all over Hong Kong, and the pro-democracy candidates won in a landslide. In a landslide. I mean, people were popping bottles of champagne yeah. in the streets of Hong Kong. Now, I don't think these are super important elections. Uh, you know, they're right. more local. It's all like city council type totally. elections, but it is just like we had in Nashville. There was this uh, widespread rejection of the status quo and the way we were doing things. And I think you're seeing that play out in Hong Kong that, you know, China tried to spin this, which they have an entire state-run media, so mm-hmm. it's not that hard to do, and they can shut off the internet. Right. Uh, so they can control their population in a lot of ways. And they tried to spin this as, oh, well, this just a, you know, a few rabble-rousers, just some people, you know, taken to the streets. But right. overwhelmingly, the pro-democracy forces won. And I think that that sends a strong message to the rest of the world totally. uh, that, you know, we should be on the side of freedom and not on the side of you know, communist China. Yeah, it's kind of refreshing, or I guess it's really refreshing. We've talked about the movement towards socialism a lot on this podcast. We've really hated on China and the NBA for siding or like bowing down to them. And it's really refreshing to see the people who are actually the faces of this oppression getting getting their time in the spotlight and and having their voices heard. I mean, we can talk about the evils of socialism and communism all you want, but until you experience that you don't understand and now you've got the headlines of all these people who've been experiencing or are threatening being threatened with experiencing it rising up and saying don't do it. Well, that's the most powerful force, right? To fight for your Absolutely. own freedoms. And w- when you're in that level of control or, you know, potential control by the Chinese government, and you, that's the only option you have is either to be submissive or to actually yeah. fight back. And, yeah. and for, you know, it's unfortunate that some of the protests have turned violent, but uh, at the very least, it's good to see that they're also utilizing their electoral system to right. advocate for change. No one wants to see that. You know, I've read stories about people who have escaped the Chinese regime and people who are in Hong Kong who are afraid to go to work because they're afraid of, of what might happen. No one right. wants to see it get violent, but it's kind of impressive that they stood up to this point and now the time. I hope they keep fighting. Yes, fight fight on Hong Kong. We're we're behind you. Um, so Justin actually wrote. Um, speaking of local control, wow, I have great transitions today. Speaking of <laughs> local control, Justin wrote um, an op-ed recently about Medicaid block grants. So a few years ago, Tennessee rejected Medicaid expansion yep. under Obamacare, and now we're trying to decide, especially considering Stephanie's paper, the Poverty to Prosperity study that she just did, laying out solutions to what these public assistance programs should look like, TANF, SNAP, and TENCARE. Yep. And Justin recently wrote an op-ed, I'll let you kind of lay that out about um, what Medicaid should look like in Tennessee and the money that's coming from the federal government, how that should be spent, and what Beacon would support that program looking like. So take it away, Justin. We could be the first state in the nation to have a Medicaid block grant, and it's been it's been talked about a lot in the past. There's never been under either Republican or Democrat administrations in the past a real opportunity to do this. The, the feds just never really opened the door for that, and all things are different under Trump, right? Yeah, and so, um, yeah. You know, being a different administration that marches to the beat of their own drum, uh, that a window 
uh, of of opportunity arose, and Governor Lee and the legislature seized mm-hmm. on that, and have uh, now officially submitted a proposal to block grant our Medicaid program, which is Ten Care right. in Tennessee, yes. so health insurance for the poor and disabled. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the goal is like any block grant. We get a set amount of money from the feds, and instead of that changing over time with a lot of strings attached, the feds pretty much dictate to the states how they manage these programs. They would just give us a lump sum, and we could do with it, you know, within certain parameters of providing uh, coverage for that population, but would have a lot of flexibility, potentially to look at things like allowing health savings accounts for those who are on TEND care to, to manage, well, to manage their care more. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people who don't have a lot of control over their health care, mm-hmm. uh, tend to just go to the emergency room when they get sick because that's the path of least resistance. Exactly. When it would be better to have a direct primary care physician yes. and to have better access to preventative care. Uh, and so we we deserve to give our fellow Tennesseans who are on ten care that flexibility and those right. options to get better outcomes in mm-hmm. the program and save money. Part of the proposal uh, that Governor Lee has submitted would actually uh, split the savings with the feds and the state. So right now, we don't have as an estate any incentive to save money and to be more frugal with those dollars and more efficient because we all the all the savings is kept at the federal level. So by splitting that up and giving us a share of that, we not only can be encouraged to cut waste and save where it makes sense, but we would have extra dollars to reinvest in those who are on the program Which by expanding access to their services. So it's a win-win solution, really. We talk about how, tennis, how the federal government is inept at taking care of state issues. Let talk us do it ourselves. Freedom and sovereignty, man. Let's talk. Let's let's get on that. That's right. I'm all for it. Um, so the last thing we want to talk about, if you haven't noticed, is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Happy everyone. Thanksgiving. Um, we, being from the Deep South, I have a lot of interesting family traditions on Thanksgiving. So um, I'll ask you first, Justin, what is your favorite either Thanksgiving memory or Thanksgiving tradition? You know, the most, like, for years and years, we would just go to my Mm great-grandmother's, and we would actually go to both of them, so we'd have two full-blown Thanksgiving (laughs) meals. So you think we would eat for a week. Yep. Uh, But really, my favorite thing is simple, eating a lot of turkey and dressing and then watching football and taking a nap. I was about to say, that nap, that third-quarter nap, and you can't stay awake. Get that tryptophan dose. And you're just out for an hour, and it's perfect. I love that. In our family, um, we go to my aunt's house, which is out in the country, and my uncle, we, you know, drink a few beers during the day. And right when people are starting to get tired and everybody's getting weary, we line up the beer bottles and cans that we've drank throughout the day and take out the BB guns. Nice. That's a fun tradition right there. <laughs> and, so that's, and we've, you know, pulled boxes. He's a contractor. And so we've had like cardboard boxes that we like try to shoot holes yeah. in. And, you know, it's just when you're out in the country in Alabama. You can do all kinds of things. That is once the kids turn five, we had a rule that kids could not shoot until they turned five. Once the kids turn right. five, it's go time. Yeah, I got my first gun. I think I was eight when I got my first uh, little Daisy twenty two rifle. Yeah. So there's it's nothing wrong. It's it's, it's important to teach kids to, you know, good firearm skills. Exactly. You eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and then you're miserable, and then you shoot things. And that's Can't beat how that. the Dawsons operate. <laughs> so what is your favorite Thanksgiving 
dish like oh, what food wise oh okay yeah i like, mean i know that that's like a year-round kind of thing but like thanksgiving is the one day that i feel totally okay about having a monochromatic plate like carbs, that's true carbs, carbs, everything carbs, is white yeah macaroni and cheese mashed that's a good point Mine would be, so my great-grandmother made the best dressing. And it wasn't like the little, like, the soggy crouton, you know, that people right. often, like, like the stuffing. Like the this, like, stuff. thick, Hard heavy, yes, like, very yeah. dense, you know, it weighs, it's like lead. It weighs, like, tw 20 times as much as it looks like it does. But it's so delicious. And I remember one year, we actually started uh, having Thanksgiving as, as she got older, started having it at her daughter's house, my grandmother. Yeah. And for the first time ever, my grandmother was like well into her 60s when my great-grandmother taught her how to make oh, the dressing and let her make gosh. it. And as she was leaving that day, she said, well, I guess I can die now because I've taught you how to make <laughs> the dressing. So like that amazing. was the pinnacle of her yes. life was to pass that on. That is the rite of passage. <laughs> and it, it is by far my favorite um, my favorite dish for Thanksgiving. So, my mom, I will say, mom, you make good dressing too. But Very gosh, nice. But good shout out. I can just like do three helpings of mashed potatoes and not like like cry Love afterwards it. because I have to go cycling like a million times. Um, one other thing that we want to throw in is if you're going to be shopping Black Friday shopping, Cyber Monday shopping on Amazon, you might not know about this, but you can go to smile.amazon.com and choose the Beacon Center of Tennessee as your charity. And for most of the things you purchase, they'll give us 0.5% of your purchase total. And if we get enough of that, they send us a check eventually. So if you're going to be shopping on Amazon, I already have my desktop set to shop smile.amazon.com benefiting the beacon center so we would super huge appreciate that if you did your black friday shopping and thought of us um today and always we are thankful for you thankful for your support and that you follow us and we will see you next week have a happy thanksgiving gobble gobble